One of my favorite shows in the past was The A-Team. I always liked watching The A-Team. The A-Team appeared the first time it showed up was after the Super Bowl, January 30, 1983. They didn't think it was going to be a hit, and it took off. People loved The A-Team, and it ran for about four years. The A-Team was about a team of ex special force soldiers who were on the lam from the military for a crime that they supposedly committed, which they really didn't commit, but they were always on the lam. What I liked about the the show and the movie, the A-Team was always portrayed as acting on the side of the good. The characters you might remember were Hannibal, Face, or Face Man, it's always called Face, B.A. and Murdoch. And what I liked about the show is I think almost every show, what some research, some surveys will say is one of the top TV quotes of all time, at least in the top 100, Hannibal would always say, I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when the timing is right. I love it when everything falls into place. I I love it when the timing is right. Right. But don't we all? We all like it when the timing is right. We all like our plans to come together. We all like our schedules to come together. We like things to be done on our time. And when everything falls together, it just makes us feel good. But what happens when a plan doesn't come together? What happens when you have two people that get married and they're on the opposite ends of the time spectrum? Let's just do a little survey. How many of y'all... In your family, it's the man who's always late. How many of y'all, it's the women? How many of y'all now need counseling for just raising your hand and getting in trouble? When two people are on the opposite ends of the time spectrum, some of y'all run by a clock, you want things to run on time, meetings on time. Think about everything we do. You're going to get up in the morning, you're supposed to be at work at a certain time, you operate by time, everything we do is time. Some of y'all don't even know what a clock is. You don't wear a watch, you don't look at a clock, you don't look at the time on your phone, you don't have a clue what the time is. And some of those two we just described, you're married to each other. So when you have a relationship where the timing doesn't work out, that can be frustrating. That can be difficult. As a matter of fact, what happens when God's timing is not your timing? What happens when your timing is not God's timing? What happens when you pray for something to happen and it doesn't happen? What happens when you pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed? What happens when you pray for that job and you don't get that job? What happens when you pray for something and it appears that God's in a different time zone than you are? And to make that even more frustrating is while you're praying, you know somebody else who's praying for the same thing with their family and God's answering their prayers. And you're thinking, how come God's timing's not working with me? How come God's not in my time zone? And it gets a little frustrating. You ever been there? You ever been frustrated with God because He didn't answer your prayer on your time? Heal somebody on your time? Keep somebody from suffering on your time? It challenges our faith. It challenges our trust in God. We're in a study of the Gospel of Mark. We've been there for several weeks now. 
And Mark begins his gospel this way. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He says, I've got some good news to share with you. And in that day and age, the good news usually had to do with the Roman Empire. It usually had to do with who the new Caesar was. And he said, no, I've got some different good news. I've got some good news about Jesus Christ. Not just good news about Jesus Christ. I've got some good news about this guy named Jesus who's the Son of God. And so we're just going through and grabbing some good news nuggets. And so today I want to look at a story, kind of two stories in Mark chapter 5, because it has to do with timing. If you've ever struggled with God's timing... If you've ever been frustrated, if you've ever been disappointed, how come God can't answer my prayers? How come He can't get in my time zone? Then I'm glad you're here today because that's what we're going to find in Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, we're going to read about a man whose daughter is about to die. She's 12 years old. We're going to read about a woman who's been sick for 12 years and her affliction won't go away. So we're going to read about these two people. The first one is a man who we know by name, Jairus. The woman, we don't know who she is. He seems to be a recognized person in the community. She seems to be a nobody. He's a religious ruler. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's somebody. She can't even go to the synagogue because of her affliction and because she's unclean. He seems to be respected. She appears to be rejected. His 12-year-old daughter is about to die. She can't get her 12-year-old affliction to die and go away. He's got a lot of money, and yet his money's not able to do anything for his daughter. She spends all of her money, and she's still not better. Both of these people need something from Jesus. Both of these people get way more than they expected, and both of these people come to Jesus and fall at His feet. Let's see what's going on in Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around Him while He was by the lake. And one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I mean, this is his goal. If I can just get Jesus to be on my time schedule. And he goes and he begs and he pleads. And you can hear the desperation in his voice. And you can hear the panic in his voice. His daughter is dying. And he says, Jesus, can I get you on my time schedule? And Jesus doesn't say anything that's recorded, but obviously Jesus says, yeah, I'll come. This guy's one of the religious police. Up to now, we've noticed the religious folks don't really like Jesus. I mean, we've even read they're ready to kill Jesus, and we're just in Mark chapter 5. And this guy's one of the religious rulers. They think he's a heretic. They think he's trouble. And yet here's this guy who comes to Jesus because he's desperate. You ever been desperate? You ever been this desperate? You ever been desperate enough that you'd try just about anything? You'll, you'll, you'll take whatever medicine, somebody says, hey, you need to do this, you need to drink this, you need to... Yeah, I'm willing to try anything. When it comes to your children, aren't you pretty desperate? When it comes to the health of your parents, aren't you pretty desperate? Have you ever been desperate, so desperate that it's like, hey, I'll, I'll try Jesus. That's what this guy does. His daughter is dying and he's willing to try anything. And he comes to Jesus not as a synagogue ruler, not as a respected person in the community, not as a member of the religious police. He comes as a dad. 
Because his 12-year-old daughter is dying. And he gets everything he wants. Everything falls into place. The timing is just right. Man, if I can just get through, if I can just get to him, if I can just speak to him, and it all falls into place, the timing is just right. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll go with you. This man puts aside his position, and he puts aside his pride, and he puts aside his prejudice, and he puts aside his people, and he's desperate because he, he needs somebody to help his daughter. And then the timing just really messes up because he gets interrupted. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, pressed around Jesus. A woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So here's the first guy. You've got Jairus. All he wants is Jesus. Jesus, can you come to my house right now? We've got an interruption, and Jairus is over here just watching. Because now the crowd comes, and this woman comes, and she wants to get to Jesus. And the people are pressing around. I mean, they're pressing into Jesus. And instead of getting better, she gets worse. And Luke, the doctor of all people, records that she spent a lot of money at the hands of doctors. And instead of getting better, she gets worse. Have you ever been in that situation? A situation where you think things ought to be getting better and they don't? I mean, things ought to be falling into place and the timing should be working and things ought to be getting better and you're like, what's going on? This last month in December, my mom decided she wanted some additional care. She needed some wound care and she told my sisters, let's go to Oklahoma City because the wound doctor said, let's go to this hospital in Oklahoma City. And the first hospital she was at, she was there a week and she... Instead of getting better, she got worse. And if you know my sister Dina, if you're ever in a street fight, you want her on your side. And so she went to the people at the facility and said, My mom came over here to get better, and she's getting worse. And what are you people going to do about it? It's frustrating. It's frustrating when you want things to get better and they get worse. You ever been there? Can you relate to this lady? I thought my life was going to get better. I thought my job was going to get better. I thought my marriage was going to get better. I thought my finances were going to get better. Instead of getting better, they get worse. For 12 years, they continue to get worse. And this woman comes to Jesus, and she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's got problems. She's got health problems. She's got society problems. She's got spiritual problems. She can't even go to the synagogue because if you read in Leviticus 15, she's unclean. She's not supposed to be around her husband. If she has one, she's not supposed to be around her family. She's probably not even supposed to be in this crowd without yelling, unclean. And yet here she's in a crowd. The terminology is pressing against Jesus. And she's pressing against Jesus because she's desperate. Yet, You ever been that desperate? You ever been that desperate that you're willing to try anything, even Jesus? This lady is desperate enough. She has no other option. She's at the end of her rope. You ever been there? You ever been at the end of your rope? You don't even know what to do. I mean, you can't even think clearly. Somebody says, hey, you need to try something. You can't even think clearly because you're so desperate. You're so wiped out. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, and you're at the end of your rope. You don't even know what to do. No one's been able to help. No one's been able to cure. Her health is declining. She's declining. And she says, she hears his miracle workers in town, and it's like, you know what, if I, if I can just get to him, if I can just kind of sneak in and sneak out, she doesn't want to draw any attention to herself. And here's what we read. 
When she heard about Jesus, when she heard Jesus was in town, when she heard this miracle worker was in town, because word's getting out, when she hears that Jesus, you know what, if I can just get to him. And remember, we got large crowds, large crowds. The chances of her getting to Jesus are slim and none. When she hears about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, you know what, I don't even have to touch his body. If I can just touch his clothes, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the tassel on his robe. I mean, we've seen this before in Mark chapter 3. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing toward him. This crowd is pressing into Jesus. And they're really not even concerned if Jesus touches them. If I can just touch Jesus. I, I can't even imagine having that amount of faith. To think I don't even have to get to Jesus, to his body, if I can just touch his clothes. She believed, you know, if I, if I can just touch his clothes, I think I'll be healed. She's desperate and willing to try anything. Well, here's what happens immediately. Immediately. After 12 years, immediately, after 12 years, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering after 12 years. Can you imagine the relief? Can you imagine how she feels? Can, 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 I mean, she's ready to go to her family, ready to go to her house. She's free. She's been in bondage for 12 years. At once, Jesus realized that the power... I love the word. We saw that when we studied the book of Acts. At once, Jesus knew the dunamis. At once, Jesus knew the dynamite. At once, Jesus felt the power going from him... And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Kind of an odd question, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew. The disciples, you see the people crowding against you, and you, you can ask, who touched me? I mean, have you ever been to a large event? Have you ever been to a concert? Have you ever been to an amusement park, a football game? That there's so many people, you're just bumping and you, you don't know who's touching you. And the disciples say, Jesus, listen, all the people, not just walking around, the people pressing into you, and you, you want to know who touched you? I mean, it could have been a lot of people. It could have been a lot of people. There's people everywhere. Let's keep reading. Jesus looked around. He kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, probably seeing Jesus looking around, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She comes to Jesus the first time to be healed. She comes to Jesus and returns and she's trembling in fear. Why? Maybe she's afraid she got caught. Maybe she's afraid she did something wrong. Maybe the disciples are, are looking at her like, why are you touching Jesus? There, there's all kind of... Maybe, what is Jesus going to say? Have you ever been there? I mean, what if God finds out? What is God going to say to me? We have those questions when we think about Judgment Day. What's God's, God going to say? What's God going to do? What if, what if I've been caught? And this woman's trembling in fear. But Jesus wanted to give this woman so much more than physical healing... She comes to Jesus for physical healing and she gets a face-to-face -face interview. And she tells her whole story. Now, Jesus didn't need to tell her whole story, hear her whole story. I think Jesus wanted everybody else to hear her story. So she tells her story. 
She tells them about her situation. She tells about the sickness. She tells about the doctor. She tells how she's out of money. She tells how desperate she is. She, she tells him, you know, I thought if I can just show up and touch your clothes. She tells him that as soon as I did, I was healed. She tells him, I just kind of wanted to sneak out. and I kind of didn't want to cause a disruption. She tells her story. She gives her testimony. And she gets way more than physical healing. She gets face-to-face with the Creator. Face-to-face with the Savior. And standing in the background this whole time, you've got this woman. Standing in the background this whole time, you've got Jairus. Who's probably thinking, Jesus, we don't, have, we don't have time for this lady. This lady's probably going to live. This lady's been around. This lady, you know, she's had her sickness 12 years. 12 years and another day's not going to matter. My daughter's dying. We don't have time for this. God, you need to be on my time schedule I came to you, I begged you, I pleaded with you, you said you'd come. Why the interruption? And then he gets the news. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. He said, your daughter's dead. Don't bother him anymore. Can you imagine how Jairus was feeling? I mean, his heart's got to be ripped out. He's devastated. He finally gets to Jesus. He gets everything he wants. Jesus is on his time schedule. And then Jesus has this interruption. We don't know how long it was. Maybe minutes, maybe an hour, maybe half a day. We don't know. But because of Jesus' timing, it's costly. It's costly because his daughter dies. Because Jesus is not on his time schedule, his daughter dies. You ever been there? Somebody else gets healed and you've been praying for somebody to be healed and they get healed and... God, why is that happening to me? Why couldn't you have left them alone and come heal my loved one? You ever been there? Frustrated with God's timing? Jairus has got to be devastated. It's tough when God's timing doesn't fit our timing. It's tough when you pray to God for something to happen and it doesn't happen. It's tough when you pray for that job, that relationship, that marriage, your kids, your finances, something going on in this world, and it's like God's non-existent, not even in your time zone. That's difficult to understand, especially when you know He's answering the timing of other people. Knowing how Jairus feels... You see, we know the rest of the story. Jairus doesn't. The people that came from his house didn't. We know the rest of the story. We know what's about to happen, but they don't. We read, ignoring what they said. Don't you like it when Jesus does that? Ignoring what they said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Ignoring what they said. Jesus looks at Jairus because he knows Jairus needs that look. He knows what Jairus needs. And he looks at Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. The terminology here is keep believing. You had enough faith to come to me in the first place. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Just keep believing. I mean, you had enough trust. You had enough faith. You had enough something to come to me. Just stay with me. It's going to be okay. I know it doesn't look like my timing is on your timing. Just don't be afraid. Just believe. How often does God need to tell you that? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, God, I don't understand your time. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, God, you frustrate me because I'm praying and your timing and it's not working. Don't be afraid. 
Just believe. And for some reason, I, I mean, it doesn't say it, but we get the impression Jairus keeps believing because as you keep reading, he did not let anyone, Jesus did not let anyone follow him. So they're heading to Jairus' house. So Jairus must have kept believing. He must have said, oh, oh, okay. I mean, obviously, he had enough faith in Jesus to think Jesus could heal his daughter while she was alive, to think that Jesus can raise her from the dead. So he does not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion. Jesus saw an uproar. Just to let you know, in that day, when somebody died, it was a commotion. It was an uproar. They would wail. They would cry. They would scream. They would tear their clothes. And if that didn't work, I mean, this is like a public announcement. They would hire people so that you would know. And Jesus sees this commotion with people crying and wailing. And he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. I mean, come on, Jesus. We, we know when somebody's dead. I, I, I mean, we're, you can't pull this one over on us. We, we know. And they laughed at him. Because they don't know what Jesus is about to do. You remember what happened in Mark chapter 4? When the storm hits and Jesus is in the boat, and Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus wants us to know, maybe the good news you need to hear, Jesus wants us to know that in the storms of life, He's still there. And here in Mark chapter 5, maybe Jesus, the good news that you need to hear in the delays of life, Jesus is still there. He's still here. So Jesus goes in. We keep reading. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him. They went where the child was. And he takes her by the hand. He takes this little 12-year-old girl by the hand and says, To light the comb, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. And they were completely astonished. They weren't astonished. They weren't kind of maybe astonished. They were completely astonished because the little girl was dead. And Jesus just brought her back to life. He didn't just raise her from the dead. She wakes up. She gets up. She's healed. She's just fine. And I'm thinking Jairus continued to keep on believing at that time. Let me say some things about God's timing, if you're frustrated with God's timing. Because as you consider this woman's story, she spent 12 years of her life For all we know, waiting on God. I mean, have you ever prayed for something 12 years? I'm thinking a day, maybe two, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, 12 years. 12 years. 12 years she's waiting on timing. And then when you consider Jairus, his 12-year-old daughter has just died, and he's thinking, where's God when I needed him? Why is he not on my time schedule? It appears God's timing is off. It appears God's in a different time zone. So let me say some things I hope that will help you about God's timing. Number one, God's timing is not our timing. I mean, our scripture reading today, do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And I know immediately we're thinking, yeah, that's real comforting. I mean, whether you live to be 10 or 30 or 50 or 80, that doesn't... That doesn't mean anything to God. Age means nothing to God because He's on eternity time. He's not on our time. 
He's not in central time zone or eastern or what. what he, he's not in any time zone except eternity time zone. God's timing is different than our timing. That's why we read in the Bible, in the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent His Son. God knows when just the right time is. We don't. We pray and we don't get an answer to our prayers and we're thinking God's timing's off. But at just the right time, God knows what to do in your life, in my life. At just the right time, God knows what to do. And you need to trust in that. Don't be afraid, just believe. God's Timing is not our timing. Listen, folks, sickness doesn't bother God the way it bothers us. Death doesn't bother God the way it bothers us. I mean, he says your life's a vapor. Your life is a mist. I mean, you're just here. If you want to try to grasp some concept of time, you spray that mist bottle, that's your life. And you're like, God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. God's timing is not our timing. Number two, God's priorities are different than our priorities. Our priorities are all about health and happiness and comfort, and we think we deserve to be happy, and we think we deserve to be healthy, and so we pray for those things, and when we don't get those things, we get upset with God's timing. Listen, God is way more concerned with your character for eternity time than He is about your health and happiness, so you die. You're with God on eternity time. That's not a bad thing. God's priorities are different than our priorities. God's priority is to get you to heaven on His time. You don't want a God who is on your time. If God does everything on your time and my time, we become very spoiled and selfish because He answers every prayer. We don't want a God like that. We want a God who's developing our character on His time for eternity time so that we can live with Him for eternity. God's priorities are different than our priorities. Jairus is thinking, if I can just get Jesus to my daughter on time, this woman is thinking, if I can just get to Jesus on time, maybe our thinking needs to be, if I can just get on God's time schedule. God's priorities are different than our priorities. I love this passage in Ecclesiastes 3. I, I, you've heard it, you're familiar with it. I haven't printed all of it. I used it at mom's funeral. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. And then there's a lot of phrases. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. And 29 times in 8 verses the word time is used. Time, 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 time. And then I love where it says God has made everything beautiful in its time. God knows just the right time time to make things beautiful in your life. And then I love, he's also set eternity. He's put an eternity clock in our hearts. We don't operate on this time. God has put an eternity time in our hearts, and we need to set our timing with his timing, and we'll understand a little bit more. Maybe not everything. God wants to give you so much more, but he's going to do it on his time. On His schedule. And you may not understand, but as you look back as to the timing and the way it played out, when you look back, you you begin to understand and your faith begins to grow and you begin to understand what God is doing. Jesus wants so much more for this woman than physical healing. He, He wants to look at her in the face. He wants to give her salvation. He wants her to know the Savior. 
And God wants the same for us. Jesus wants so much more for Jairus than just his daughter being healed. Jairus wants a cure for his daughter. He gets a resurrection. And God wants to give us so much more. He wants to resurrect some things in our lives. God wants to do so much more. But He wants us to trust Him when we don't understand. He wants us to believe when the prayers don't seem to be answered the way we want them answered. God wants us to trust Him. I know there's probably some people here today who are struggling with God's timing. Maybe you can relate to this woman. Maybe for 12 years you've been praying, can you fix this, 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 fix this. Do this, do this, do this, heal this, heal this. Maybe some of y'all have had a sickness or a disease or something for 12 years and you're thinking, why is God not answering my prayer? I know that's frustrating. I know you struggle with that. The only words of encouragement I can give you from the text today, the good news is God says, don't be afraid. Just believe. I know there's probably some people here today at the point of desperation. You're you're in desperation over a relationship, maybe your marriage, maybe your kids. You don't know what to do, maybe your job. You're desperate. You're willing to try anything. You can relate with either one of the people in this story. The only good news I can give you today is God says, don't be afraid. Just believe. About 10 or 12 years ago, my mom got temporal arteritis. I'm still not sure what that is, but on temporal arteritis, and her life was so bad that she would spend the day with her head in her hands day after day after day. And I prayed for God to heal her or take her. And he didn't take her, and he didn't heal her. So I know how frustrating it can be for God not to answer your prayers. In December, when mom was deteriorating rapidly, we were all praying for God to take mom. And my sister Dina called, and she said, You're a preacher. You're not praying hard enough. Do a better job. And I'm thinking, God, I don't understand your timing, but I'm, I'm going to pray this anyway. And I have to tell you this story because it brings me a great deal of comfort. After the first week that Mom was in Oklahoma City, and it was a terrible facility, and the second facility was a lot better, and when they decided, you know what, we're skilled for healing, we need to send your mom to a place where they're skilled for dying, and so my sister took her to a hospice up on the north side of Oklahoma City, which is where she died. And they came in, and I'll just get personal. My mom had not been bathed for a couple of weeks, and they said, can we bathe your mom? My sister said, absolutely. They said, what's your mom's favorite color? They said, blue. So they bathed my mom, they rubbed her down with lotion, and there was a ministry of a local church They dressed my mom in blue satin pajamas. My sisters did her hair. And she died about an hour later. And she was beautiful in God's time. People get a little irritated with me, not everybody, some folks, when I say, I'm so glad my mom died. 
She's with my dad. She's with Jesus. I'm good with that. And they want me to be upset. And I grieve and I cry. But God said eternity in my mama's heart. In your heart. And I don't know when those clocks are going to play out. But I know God makes everything beautiful in His time. And He made Jairus' daughter beautiful in His time. And He made this woman beautiful in His time. And God wants to make things beautiful in His time. And I don't know how things are going to play out timing-wise. But I can tell you this. Out of all the timing things that I believe about God, this one I believe firmly. That when you respond to Jesus Christ and you confess His name and you want to be baptized, that the timing is just right. That at that point that salvation begins, that at that point the timing that you and God are so synced, you can't be any more synced than you'll ever be synced. When the blood of Jesus washes your sins away, you are so synced that the timing is just right. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that because I want you to be right with God. And you might be thinking, you know, I don't know if the timing's ever right to know if I'm right with God. When you're baptized, the timing is right. And the good news is God makes everything beautiful in its time. And when you're baptized, you can never be more beautiful. So the good news for you today from this story is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at whatever's coming at you in life. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Will you put your trust and belief in Jesus Christ today? If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.